the king. The rise and fall of King Solomon. How many has enjoyed this series? That as we're going through and looking at this king as a person, this is boomeranging. Sounds to me like, is it to you? Maybe it's my ears. Because I can't hear out of this ear and I can barely hear out of this ear. So it's like a full circle thing maybe. But either way, the King series, as we look at the life of King Solomon, that it, it is a, I was talking to Rick earlier before service, that there is a million different directions that we can go in studying this king and the principles and the things that we can learn from him and glean from him that we can apply to our life. Because we don't just need to come here to hear information and just walk out and saying, I know more than I did when I walked in. We need to walk out of here with information that translate into application when we get out there. Amen. Amen. That we apply what we know. And that's what wisdom is, is the application of knowledge. So I want you to have knowledge. I don't want you to be puffed up in your knowledge. Amen. Because how many know some people get puffed up in their knowledge? But we don't need to be puffed up in our knowledge. The Bible even says this, don't be puffed up in your knowledge. But when we apply that knowledge and make it applicable to something we're facing, then that's when wisdom takes over. So it's knowledge and wisdom are two different things, but they work in conjunction with each other. Does that make sense? That you need both. Look at your neighbor and say, you need some knowledge, friend. Really what you did, you just called him an idiot. <laughs> or an ignoramus, I guess, is another term. If you're ignorant of something, that means you just don't know it. And that's okay. How, how many is ignorant? Is there any self-proclaimed ignorant people in the room? There are some things I don't know. I do know some things, right? I've got some knowledge. But there are some things I don't know. And I need to learn. And I want that knowledge. But I want to be puffed up in it. I want the knowledge so I can get it, so I can translate that into wisdom where I go and apply it. Amen? That my life changes and my actions change, not just in words, but in deeds. Amen? So we need some knowledge in the room. Now look at them and say, you need some wisdom too. You guys weren't very convincing. I need you to say to your neighbor that they need some wisdom. So if you don't care, look at him and say, you need some wisdom. Say it loud enough so they can hear you. <laughs> there we go. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's coming inter-household inter uh, argumentations going on here. It's, it's okay. It's okay. We'll get through it. Life is grand, right? So King Solomon, and we've, we've talked, you know, the first couple of weeks here about laying some foundations of, of King David and, and everything that uh, Solomon's father had faced and went through and, and how that God used Saul originally to be king and then David and, and now here Solomon takes over. And then last week we dug into Solomon a little bit and I didn't get near far enough as I was supposed to. And as I always say, I apologize for that, but I don't. We get where we get. And that's good enough. So whatever we, wherever we land at the end of the day, it's about these uh, somewhat, Leslie says my time's 30 minutes, and that's what uh, a lot of preachers say, that that's the goal is you can only get as much information across as so somebody's seat will endure. So <laughs> when your seat gets tired, 
that's your bottom side, then there is no more open ears. So I have to understand that. I have to realize that. And at some point, I just got to give up and say, we'll get it next week. And that'll be okay. Amen. So King Solomon last week was awesome that uh, as we was talking about um, his kingship and obedience and his pure heart and his commitment to God. I, I do want to show that video, Les, if you will. The, um, so if you kill the lights and watch this little uh, short video. Chris Gardner. Chris Gardner. How are you? Good morning. Chris Gardner. Chris Gardner. Good to see you again. Chris Gardner. Pleasure. I've been sitting out there for the last half hour trying to come up with a story that would explain my being here dressed like this. And, and I wanted to come up with a story that would demonstrate qualities that I'm sure you all admire here, like, like earnestness or diligence or team playing to something. And I couldn't think of anything. So the truth is, I was arrested for failure to pay parking tickets. Parking tickets? <laughs> and I ran all the way here from the, the Polk station, the police station. What were you doing before you were arrested? I was uh, painting my apartment. Is it dry now? I hope so. Jay says you're pretty determined. Oh, he's been waiting outside the front of the building with some 40-pound gizmo for over a month. He said you're smart. I like to think so. And you want to learn this business? Yes, sir, I want to learn this business. Have you already started learning on your own? Absolutely. Jay. Yes, sir. How many times have you seen Chris? No, I don't know. One too many, apparently. Is he ever dressed like this? No. No. Jacket and tie. First in your class? In school? High school? Yes, sir. How many in the class? Uh, Twelve. It was a small town. <laughs> I'll say. But I was also first in my radar class in, in the Navy, and that was a class of 20. Can I say something? Um... I'm the type of person, if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you that I don't know. But I bet you what? I know how to find the answer, and I will find the answer. Is that fair enough? Chris, what would you say if a guy walked in for an interview without a shirt on? And I hired him. What would you say? He must have had on some really nice pants. That movie's from uh, several years ago, um, Pursuit of Happiness, uh, which is Will Smith's been in a lot of movies now. But it's, it's, it's a story, a true story, uh, from a book where that a guy... Uh, had, that had grown up with a um, alcoholic father, abuse, uh, traumatized by life, um, ends up in a predicament where that he wants to try to because he has a son, got married, has a son of his own, 
And he wants to succeed and not replicate the life that his father had lived. You follow me? And he wants it to be better for his son than it was for him. Is there anybody in this room that has children? How many wants your children to not have to endure the pain that you have endured? Amen? So there's Chris Garner. He, he, he goes through this, and, and he sees successful people, and sometimes it's easy for us to sit back and, and look at others and see their success. But we truly don't realize all the things that they have faced and all the things that they have done to become successful. And success doesn't come easy. Amen? Uh, success is hard to obtain, but if we're diligent, and some of the words that he was using there, you know, a team player, these different things, that if we would truly possess those and understand those and make those applicable to our life, it'll change our life. The words that he stated were words that he lived. Earnestness. Those are big words. But as he goes through that and he goes through this interview, can you imagine finally getting an opportunity and, and being out on the front of this uh, big building where all these executives are walking in with suits and ties and you're wanting to be successful so that you can raise your son and, and you're literally about to starve to death because you have nothing? And you keep putting in effort after effort after effort after effort, failure after failure after failure, setback after setback after setback. And you finally get the opportunity, and they call you and say, you're going to come in for an interview. And you can't wait, and you've, you've looked forward to this day. And that night, a cop shows up at your house while you're painting your house, knocks on your door, and takes you to jail. Everybody say, that's my luck. <laughs> that's Chris's luck, right? So Chris gets hauled off to jail. What does he do? Does he just sit back in the corner and cry in a jail cell and say, well, it's nothing meant to be? No. What's he do? He walks right up in that room, uses the thing that should have caused him to stay home, and says, no, I'm going anyway. Come on, somebody. That's some tenacity right there. That's something that says, I am going to continue to pursue until I find. I'm going to chase. I'm going to hunt. I'm going to press in. I'm going to push. I'm going to do all these things. Why? Because God has called me to do something. And I'm going to, not going to sit back on my laurels and do nothing. I'm going to do what he's asked me to do. And whether it's setback, whether the enemy tries to kick me in the face day after day, I'm going to continue to say, God, I wake up this morning. Today is your day. Put me where you want to put me. Let me do what you called for me to do. That's easier said than done. But Chris walks in that room, and you can see the disdain on the, the gentleman, the chairman of the board there sitting, and, you know, he's doing these interviews, and I'm sure everybody else that had walked in had been dressed to the nines or whatever it is and, and walked in looking for success and looking like success and then walks this mess. And it's an internship that he's applying for. And he don't even know exactly what all that means, but he knows I want to, not, I want to do something different than what I'm doing. Amen? I, I want something different. So he applies for his internship. Eventually he gets offered the job. But it's not really a job, it's an internship. And guess what an internship is? You don't get paid. 
So he has to start out as an intern in this office to go, and there's a bunch of interns come in, and he's selected as one of them, and you get inside there, and there's going to be a job offer at the end of it if you apply yourself and if you can make a difference in some department. Everybody say, God's watching. Every move. Whether you get disheartened, whether it seems like it's a waste of time, whether it seems like I'm giving too much effort and everybody else is laying back and they're, they're getting all these promotions and everything's going right for everybody else and I don't understand this and God, why me? And we can get in all those attitudes we want. But guess what we need to do? Keep on doing the right thing. Amen? Pursue like you've never pursued before. Continue to lean in and say, I'm going to try again today. Please try. Someday. So as God looks at this type of situation, it's us. And it's the same for King Solomon. He had a successful dad. David was a man of war. That's what it says in, in these texts, that David was a man of war. How would you like to say to your classmates, my daddy's bigger than your daddy? No, he's not. My daddy's 6'4", and he's 290, right? You can look like, come back with a comeback, my daddy killed Goliath. Trump that, sucker. Right? My daddy killed Goliath. Think about having that as your point. My daddy killed Goliath. That's a pretty awesome statement. Throughout all of history, we still hear the story from a little child up through our years, even sermons from time to time, David killed Goliath. That's a big statement. That's a big success story that God can take a little bitty rock in the hand of a little bitty kid and take down giants. The song we just sung. Giants. Amen. They're defeated. Why? Because God is with us. It doesn't matter how small you appear. It doesn't matter how uneducated you are. It doesn't matter anything that the world would tell you the reason why you can't when God says you can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can. We need some can-do attitude up in here. Amen. Amen. What can a little bitty church do in, in Lewis County? I don't know. What can we do? What do we want to do? Because God says we can do all things. Amen? All things. It's limitless. The po position he places you in, the opportunities he gives you, is limitless. There, there is no boundaries to what God wants to do through your life. The boundaries are placed by you, not by him. He wants to use you for the good. And sometimes even for the good of others. My daddy killed Goliath. And that is almost a point that cannot be argued by others. So Solomon goes through his childhood and it, it, the Bible says that even a child, but, you know, there's arguments about what age he really was when he took over as king, but could have been in the teenage years, could have been in the 20s. But he, he said, I'm as, but as a child, I, I'm, I'm childish in my ways. 
anybody in here childish in your ways, even though you're an adult? <laughs> amen. It's kindly part of it. We're, amen. I'm a little bit childish. We need to admit our faults and failures, right? The Bible says confession's good for the soul. The minute you start confessing, I got some faults, I got some issues, I got some troubles, I got some situations going on. Amen. That confession is good for your soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions. How many would like your mind, will, and emotions to line up with God's principles? Amen. Start confessing to one another. And it says don't confess, don't cast your pearls before the swine. Find you a good partner, a good Christian person that you can go to and say, man, I slipped up again. And they'll say, God bless you. And they don't run and tell everybody in town. Amen? That kind of confession amongst the saints is a good thing. But you got to find who you can trust. you got to learn who they are that God places in your path. And I'm so grateful to see... like. Going down to McDonald's after and, and Betty and Bootsy and, and Rose and Mom and, and them sitting in there and, and then Howie in the mix. It's like, I, I think you're the odd man out, brother. <laughs> but Rose don't care to have Howie sitting there, do you? You don't mind at all. Just listen to his ignorance and laugh and go on home. <laughs> I love my brother. Amen. Poor Howie. He can get the microphone one weekend if he wants it. He can, he, he can have a... He can have a go at it. Um, so Solomon, David passes away, and in the midst of that traumatic time when his dad David was sick and the other brother I told you about last week had come in and trying to take over, and even though David's still alive and he's trying to take the kingdom and, and all this stuff going on, but David <laughs> promises it to Solomon through uh, Bathsheba and, and all this stuff. There's turmoil going on. His whole life had been that his dad was a dad of war. War is not pretty. People that have served in the military knows full well war is not pretty. We should never long for war. There should have been a stronger amen than that. We should never long for war. I don't want one of our young people to ever go face the things that I've read about. My grandpa was a prisoner of war for three and a half years. I, I've read the hellship stories. I've read all that. And it is not pretty. And it is not anything that we should ever promote or look forward to or say, let's do this. Because most of the people that say, let's do this, are people with gray in their beard, and let's all the old 20-year-olds go and fight the battles on the front line. I never want a generation to face the things that our previous generations have faced. I want a better world, don't you? What if we would pursue peace as much as we do our opinions? How many announces your opinions a lot? Amen? I, some people, you don't even have to ask for it. <laughs> they'll tell you their opinion even when it's not a question right Chuck just sometimes they'll just tell you they, you don't even have to ask them what do you think they'll tell you it's full will and some people when you ask them it's like you unleash the yeah the yeah the what is it, the Hoover Dam it's like they've just busted the wall right open all the waters come running it's all at one time they've held it back their opinions for so long but they gotta let it go so here's Solomon King Solomon 
And it, he's now in this king's seat. They place their crown on his head, announce to the king, All hell, King Solomon! Woo! King Solomon couldn't wait for his day. There's other people in the back of the crowd. I can't believe they give it to that boy. Huh? There's no way that we're going to have a king that's as childish as him. And look at this, and look at that, and there's no reason. And what are we going to do now? And I wish David was still alive. And Amen. It's the way it is. There's some things we can learn here. Here's some knowledge coming out now, right? We're going to get some wisdom. How are we going to apply these things in our life today? If you spend your life looking at yesterday, your future is doomed because my past was hell. Amen? And if I'm going to look backwards, all I'm going to have is a whole lot of hell because that's all I've ever had. But guess what? I'm looking for a brighter day. I'm looking for a future where heaven is in front of me and I want to paint my eyes that direction and head towards it. Amen? I don't want to look back. Why? Because there's nothing back there. Turmoil. Destruction. I want to look that way. Your future is in front of you, not behind you. And when we become naysayers about everything that we think and our opinions and I face this and, and this generation needs to do it too. I learned through the school of hard knocks and I hope they learn through the hard... Heck with that. Fool you on that. It's crazy. Come on, somebody. It's crazy to tell those little babies over there in those rooms that they got to beat their head up against the wall the way I did because I faced it. They should too. No. I want a better world for them. I want a world of peace. Everybody take a deep breath. Isn't that just awesome that you can just take a deep breath like that and just the refreshing that comes from it. It brings a peace when you can take a deep breath. And while you're healthy and you can breathe like that, you better breathe a lot of them. Because I promise you, Sister Rita, today would love to take a deep breath. And she can't. But I pray for peace to enter her body. Amen. Solomon inherits the kingdom. And he's sitting on the throne and he says, I don't know what I'm doing. And God says, that's exactly the kind of guy or girl I'm looking for. The one that says, I can't. Come on, somebody. And he goes into this sleep, and God shows him in a dream, says, what do you want? Help me to be the leader that you've called me to be, was his answer. Give me wisdom, give me knowledge, and understanding of how to lead your people. I want to do what you want to do, God. And guess what happens when you say, I want to do what you want to do, God? It changes everything. Amen? The second he said that, God said, now that you've asked for that, you're going to get this too. Amen? I asked for one, I'm giving you more. In a day where you ask for what's good for others, God begins to bless you. Amen? What if you'd walk through town and see somebody struggling and say, God, help me to help them. Come on, somebody, because the minute you start helping them, I promise you, if you are a giver and a person that cherishes and loves giving and helping others, I promise you, you will not live in lack. Amen. Amen? God loves a cheerful giver. When I give to somebody, I don't do it grudgingly. I don't do it, man, I can't believe God told me I have to give that. I don't like you no more, God. 
You're making me do that? I, when he get, paints something in front of me and allows me to go do that, man, I just my heart leaps within me because my mom taught me that from a childhood, that God loves a cheerful giver. So I love giving. Amen. I'll give away the, everything I have. I always do. Leslie stops me a lot of times, thankfully. Amen. Because he says store up you know, for hard times. He tells us that. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. The having hold of it to possess it and think we own it and think it's ours is where we mess up. This is all his. And he'll let you keep some of it. I promise you he will. He did with Solomon. Solomon had more gold. He had so much gold that he gold-plated the whole temple. Amen. When we build a church up here, how many would like to have a church up on the side of that hill that was gold-plated the whole thing? You talk about getting some people, well, what's going on up in there? <laughs> Who's them people? I don't know people like that. Amen? And that's what the children of Israel was. They were vagabonds that were traveling around in a desert, didn't have anything, and they worshiped God in a tent. And here all of a sudden God says, I want a house of my own sitting on this temple mount, and I'm going to have you build it, but I'm waiting on a time where that there will be somebody that says, I don't want to do it for me, I want to do it for him. Amen? Because when you get to that point in time where you allow God to do things through you instead of things for you, it changes everything. And Solomon, David wanted to build the house. At the end of David's life, he's like, God, I know you want a big old house. God looks down and says, David, you're, you're a man of war. You've killed. There's bloodshed all over your history of your past. And you're not the one going to build it. But your son, but your next in line to the kingdom will build my house. And King David, he reared back and he didn't say, man, I can't believe I don't get to build it. He looked down and he saw that little baby laying in that manger as he's looking there. And he seen his little son named Solomon. And he's thinking, man, someday God's going to get a house of his own. Someday there's going to be a church upon the city of the hill. And whenever that happens and all that, and what's the Bible say? That David began to prepare for that. He began to have the, the timber cutters to cut some timber. He had some rock quarry people out there cutting rock. He put all of it together and had it laying there staged, waiting on his son to come and inherit the kingdom because when he did there was getting ready to be a house built for God not for man but for God Solomon King Solomon I don't know what I'm doing I'm childish I'm not smart enough God I don't know enough I've got all the book learning in the world, but I still don't know enough. I've got all the degrees I can get, but I still don't know enough. The more incapable you are, the more capable he is. The more you give up of what you can do, the more he can do. Amen? I can't do it. He can. We need to give him room. And it's 1121, and I haven't even said anything yet. This is the hardest series I've ever done in my life, I promise you. I mean, I, anybody ever heard of Hero? You know who Hero is? No? How many's ever said the word hero? He's my hero, or God's my hero, or Uncle Sam was my hero, or somebody's your hero, right? So everybody's got a hero. Who's Hero? You know that was a literal person? Hero of Alexandria? Egyptian? 
No? I thought you guys was a bunch of know-it-alls. <laughs> I learned about it at work. I, this is one of my jobs at work. I was, I was in a class one time, and they started talking about hero, and I was like, hero? I never heard that in school. I went through 12 years. I made a 1.8 GPA. I should have heard about hero. <laughs> Amen? So I'm sitting here in a class, 23 years old, learned about hero, and I was like, man, that's pretty awesome. Hero. Alexandria. That's awesome. Hero. What did he, what'd he invent? What's he known for? Anybody know? Changed the world. It did more for humanity as a principle than probably, I, I would go back and say more than anything else other than God. He put a little pot and he put two tubes on it with a little angled tubing and he put some water in it and he put a fire underneath of it. The first bore ever made, Hero made it. God gave him the materials to do it. Because when you put fire underneath of that bore, guess what happens? It starts spinning. And whenever things start spinning, what starts happening? Something's about to get involved, amen? And I'd like some heroes for some people that their hero is God. Say, so just start spinning me around. Start putting some heat on me. Amen. Start putting some fire in there. How about some living water down on the inside of me? Amen. Where that God the turns the pressure up and all of a sudden that pressure's got to go somewhere. And why not point it in a direction where he spins me around and around and around that I don't even know what's going on anymore, but something's happening. Amen. If Christians would be filled with the Spirit of God that there is living water. Jesus told that woman, if you knew the drink that I could give you, you wouldn't be caring about that bucket dipping down in that well and pulling out natural water because there's living water shall come out of you. Amen. And it dumbfounds me, but when I started through that class and they started teaching me all this stuff and I'm hearing this stuff and I'm, I'm kindly a weird learner. I've told you that. Me and Dusty was talking about this morning where we just late to the party, if you want to call it that. I had a hard time, and we was thankful for teachers. I said that in week one of this, and he said he texted his uh, teacher from his childhood and thanked him for putting up with him and thanked him for helping him and thanked him for assisting him. And people like Joe Gilbert that helped me and just passed away and, and be with Rosemary. God, be with Rosemary. Give her peace. Give her comfort. Joe Gilbert helped me in school. He believed me when I, I wasn't worth believing in. I didn't understand things, but he helped me. And every other kid out there, go into a school fair and Thomas Massey's there with robots. I'm standing there with an orange. It happened, I promise you. I can't imagine that judge walking around through there saying, and I'm over there with an orange with two wires in it. Amen. It's, it's what it is. It's my school project. They had these big banners and all this stuff. Mom went down and got me a poster board that I had to bend to get it to stand up and tape the bottom of it. And I, I can draw stick men. I'm about as artistic as drawing a stick man. That's about the extent of my capabilities. 
But I stood there proud that I knew that there was a difference from an orange to other different fruits and the power they contained. I could take my meter, my little electric meter in eighth grade and stand there with them two wires and a nail and wrap around it so many wraps and stick it down in this fruit and put a meter on it and see power involved in something that you didn't even know there was any power in. Amen. I was learning lessons that, that, that God was teaching me, even as a child. What is? There's power in things that you know not of. Amen. Amen. There's power in those little kids out there that can walk up to you when you're sick and lay hands on your head and say, Father, I pray, heal them. And I believe that God hears their prayers. Small but mighty. Ignorant but blessed. Amen. Come on, somebody. God can use whoever He wishes. He can do whatever he wants to do. And as a hero, think about that. Who's your hero? My hero is God. You're my champion. Giants fall when you stand. You're my champion. And it's so amazing. Are we possessed by the power of God, by his capabilities, and by what he wants to do? All the way down the road, I, I, I've been feeling it this morning. It's like, there's people that understand principles and there's people that understand the practical. And they're two different people. Amen? There's some people that know principles and there's some people that know practical. Which camper you in, it's probably one or the other. Very few people can do both. I am mostly in this camp. Principles. The Bible says precept upon precept, line upon line. I've studied my whole life. I, my grandmother, Shirley, 14,000 books, spoke into my life as a kid. I, I didn't do good in school. I've told you that. You know that. But there hasn't been a year of my life that I haven't gained a certification. Amen. I'm 46 years old. Every year I take another class. Some of them's been small. Some of them's been big. Some of them's been bigger than me. But I try to learn. But sometimes I have a real hard time applying. Since so sometimes siblings, you can have the same DNA. Be two different things. Amen. I'm over here. I understand things. I, I, I get the principles. And then I go over here, and that's not me. My brother comes up and looks at the stuff I do, and he says, That's dumb. <laughs> and he's mostly right because I can't do what I know. He can do, sometimes he don't know. I loved it a few years ago. I took a boiler because of my boiler license and all the stuff I've learned. I took it out of a school, brought it home. What how I do? He said, I'd like to have one of them outside boilers. You know what he does? He don't buy one. He builds one. So I took it out there. What's he do? He cuts it all apart, puts it all back together, builds a big box, runs him two lines into his house, gets the A-Cool in there, gets his little box over there with his controller in it, the thermostat and all that stuff, and guess what? What happens, brother, when you fire it up? CPVC pipe. Didn't work too good, did it? 
Because the second he built a fire in that box, you can't put it out. It keeps heating up. And the hotter the pipes got, the scarier it got. They started drooping. He's like, well, something's fixing to happen. <laughs> Standing in the house. Uh-oh. Maybe I should have bought one. <laughs> Somebody knew something, right? But trial by error, right? So he did it. And whatever he did, and eventually the pipes did bust. <laughs> right? Is this story right? Am I remembering it right? I want to make sure I'm right. And he calls me and he says, hey, do you care to come out here and look at this thermostat? I know principles. Not real good at this. I know how it should work. I can't make it work. So I go out there, a few meters, a few wire chains around, should work. Changes the pipe, it's still working to Danny's house. What if we used each other, whether principled or practical, and it takes all of us to get it done? And nobody's better than anybody else? He does things that I cannot do, and I'm glad of it. Amen? And he's glad that he's got a little brother that he can call that knows how, the why, but don't know the how, to get it done. And that's a good thing. Hero invented that little boar, and then 1,600 years later, before anybody ever picked it up, to do anything with it. How would you like to invent something and find something and for the next 1,500 years everybody's still out there just tooling, grinding, dragging stuff with ropes, dumber than a bunch of pine knots. Generations. Come on, somebody. You've invented this so the next generation can do something with it and they don't do anything. They sit around, man, I guess we'll just keep on doing it that way. God is not anti-progress. Is there anybody in the room? God is not anti-progress. He don't care if we advance. He don't care if we move forward. He don't care if we get smarter. Amen. A lot of old-timers would think God wants to keep you simple and keep you dumb. and keep... No. He invented it all. It's all His. The more we can do, the better off we are. And He knows that. He wants us to. God is a God of progress. But we as humans, how well do we do with change? Come on, somebody. I like King David better. He went out there and killed people. He slaughtered armies. He took over new cities. We got more territory. Really? Is that God we serve? Is it God that kills? Or do we serve a God of peace? And I'm not saying there's not a time to fight. Amen. There's a time to fight. Did Jesus do it in the temple? When he walked in there a week before his death? He walks up in there and they're trading him. Pigeons and, and doves and all the stuff, and uh, they're doing all this selling and ripping people off. What's Jesus do? He turns their tables over. Amen? Jesus wasn't some little wimp. He took care of business when it's time to take care of business. But was there more accounts of him in peace or in fighting? Absolutely peace. 
the crowd come dragging this woman they caught in adultery and they're glad of it. They're getting ready to kill her. We get to kill another one. Yay. Whoopee. Jesus looks at him and says, that's not how it works. My heavenly father cares about her and she's a prostitute. You think lowly of them and you think you're better than them and you think you're more holy than them and you think you know more scripture than them. The God I serve, my heavenly father, knows more than you do and he loves her just as much as he does you. And they had to walk away sorrowful. Why? Because God knows more than they. He without sin cast a first stone. Think about those words of peace rolling off Jesus' lips that changed the mindset of multitudes. That's what we as a church are to do. That's what we as Christians are to do. Let's be peaceful. Because in the midst of peace, building can take place. Transformation can take place. And I really believe this, that these series are leading up to our building. God wants us to be at peace with one another. Scripture says that he can cause even your enemy to be at peace with you. Those that hate you, God can calm them down. Come on, somebody. Anybody got something out there that you just, God help me to be at peace, to not pursue war. Let's be like Solomon. Let's learn from him. If you'll bow your head and close your eyes, it's 1135 and we got more weeks and we'll do it at a later date. I wanted to talk about thermodynamics and I had all kinds of stuff to talk about, but. I really believe that we have to land right here that it's peace that God wants. You lead us to victory every time. Peace that passes understanding. So much peace that it don't even make sense. And I don't know who in this room is needing to hear these messages, but you're here and God knows you're here. For those that will watch later, that maybe those that are signed in right now and watching us live you're sitting there and your heart's been pricked this morning because God has told us stop battling stop fighting start pursuing be at peace with one another let it go God, I pray today that the Holy Spirit would do his perfect work in this room. For the people that's been stagnant and they feel like they're stuck, God, I pray that you would light that fire underneath of them just like Hero did. God, they're vessels of honor. God, these are vessels that you've created. You formed them in their mother's womb. And they're sitting here today with capabilities, with knowledge. And God, they're asking for wisdom. God, help me to apply some things. There's inventors sitting in this room that you've held back. And God's telling you, step out and do what I've asked you to do. Try new things. Attempt something new. I will be in it. There's those sitting in this room and you're sitting here and you've been waiting for him to give you exact, precise, detailed, oriented 
descriptions to the exact thing that he needs you to do. And you, you've been waiting too long. And he's saying, don't wait till you got it all figured out. Just start. Step out and do the thing that I ask you to do, even though you don't understand it. Even when it don't make sense. Move. Transition to the place of application. Let blessings flow in this room. God, you have created everyone in here for purpose. There's destiny within every person sitting in this room. God, help us to see and know and understand the things that you've created us for. But God, most of all, help us to do something. Help us to help somebody. Help us to minister to those hurting. Help us to be there for those that are in need. Teach us to do something. And God, I pray as we enter this season of, of building, and we thank you so much for the land that you've given us. God, you gave us land. We pray blessings upon that businessman that, that gifted this to this church. God, I pray that he would prosper in everything that he does because of his heart that is inclined to you. And God, as we prepare to go through the building process and, and the design process, God, I know that we don't have enough. But I know that we have you. And God, you can do the impossible. And we look to you. You're our champion. Bring it to pass. God, not a building for us. Not a building for us, but a building for you. Lord, to help us to create a space where the prostitutes can come and meet you. God, help us to build a space where people, entrepreneurs, can do great things for our community because of you. God, give people wisdom and understanding that will dumbfound the wise. Do what only you can do. Because God, we stand here honestly saying, we can't. We need you. Open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing such as our county has never seen. We give you the bridge to operate through. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen.